Custom Car Care. All right. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I know you got a full show. What are we going to talk about today? Well, I figured that we could talk about state inspections. I don't think that we have ever actually done like a full show on state inspections. And I've had this one kind of in the uh-huh. arsenal for a while. And it all kind of stemmed from whenever I had my Chevy Cruze, I had scheduled a inspection. Yeah. And I had to go get new plates and all of that good stuff. And so scheduled it all and went to the shop and Ryan took my keys, walked out to my car and then brought my keys back Mm -hmm. in. And I was like, well, that was quick. And he goes, you don't need a state inspection. And I said, why? I've had one before. And he Mm -hmm. said, well, the the laws have changed Mm -hmm. since you got your last one. So I was like, well, that's pretty neat. So if I remember right, the law that changed, and it's been a couple of years, so most people probably are in the know now. But yes. We had that same conversation with a lot of people during that time. So if I'm recalling this correctly, it's five years old or 150,000 miles. Does that sound right? I think so. So what that means is <clears throat> essentially they have pulled back on some of the, uh, I guess, frequency of doing an inspection and they figured if the car is that new it probably doesn't have anything or if it's got that many miles it shouldn't really have any safety related items i will argue a little bit that it's always nice to get your lights run and that's part of it all the the lights i call it the bells and whistles you know that those all need to work so i have seen cars with that and i've seen some cars with some worn front end parts at less than 150,000 miles the old chryslers that were out there which most of them are off the road at this point but i would see them as low as 60 to 80,000 where a tie rod end would come disconnected um sarah do you know what the tie rod the function and i'm not trying to put you on the spot but do you know what the tie rod end does um, it controls your wheels. It does. Essentially, it is the point that hooks from your input at the steering wheel to the wheel. Mm-hmm. So when that tie rod end comes apart, and I have had cars towed in like this, um, even at like 60,000, 80,000 miles, you no longer can steer whichever wheel. It's just kind of along for the ride, which is a bad place to be. So um, that definitely is one of the things that needs to be looked at. And then brakes. Um, A big part of the state inspection is looking at your brakes and some cars, I have seen them go, you know, upwards of 150 without having brakes. But that was the other thing that I really thought, man, when they wrote or changed this legislation, and I'm not big into legislation, that's, I'll get to that point here later in the show, but they, uh, they didn't really account for a lot of that stuff. Um, Sarah, do you know why they started pulling back some of the, uh, I guess the regulations of the state inspection. If you've got any info on that, I may have some inside track. Yeah, I actually <clears throat> don't know that much about the state inspection. So at one point, they were pretty common across most of the states. You know, mm-hmm. it's regulated state by state, obviously. Um, a lot of them have done away with state inspections. And Missouri, I think, is one of like seven or eight still in the, the continental United States still doing them. The way the story that I understand, and this is a little bit of story time, so the facts may vary a little bit. Um, One of our Congress, I believe it is Congress, could be Senate. I'm not sure. Somebody at our, you know, upper echelon level went in and they come from a farming community where they're a lot of times those farmers are driving them, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour through the field and to the feed store. They're not driving them out on the interstate like everybody else does. 
And so they got a, kind of a negative idea about that, as well as their wife went into a state inspection facility and they kind of got the runaround and felt like they were being taken advantage of because essentially, as you well know, you don't get to go get your license plates until you pass a state inspection. Now, whichever inspection station is doing it does not have to do the repairs. You can do them yourself. You can take them to another shop. And if any time you are concerned and would like a reinspection done, you can make an appointment to our local highway patrol. They're a great bunch of people out on the end of Kearney there, and they can do a reinspect to make sure that your inspection was done properly and that if it did fail, that it was legitimately failed. Did you had you ever been aware of that, Sarah? No. So a lot of times that is a little overkill. Nobody's got time for that. But if you ever get real sideways, they will do that for you. And I encourage that. If uh, more often than not, my experience is not that places go too heavy-handed on the inspections. It's that they are too uh, complacent on the inspections. They will pass things without running or looking at the foundation brakes, steering suspension. You know, back in the day, they used to just run the lights and throw you a sticker in there. And when I was younger, I appreciated that because I was driving some very... uh, Oh, neglected vehicles, I guess they were clapped out. They were <laughs> they were rough. And so a lot of times that's what made me do some improvements to them was to get my plates. I can remember Hillbilly's gas station there in Marionville. Um, did you know they sold out, Sarah? Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, so uh, Joe Jr., I guess, Joe Walker is still running the towing company and mm-hmm. stuff right there. Joe's done a lot of towing for me over the years, but... Uh, Joe Sr. and Flora, I guess, had retired finally, and, and they put in their time in that community. But I would take it in there, and I can remember I had to put an exhaust system on a vehicle because it did not pass. And I think I had to do brakes on it, if I remember right. But I'm glad now that he made me do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have and maybe suffered the consequences. So have you ever been failed on a state inspection at any point in time, No, Sarah? I've never been failed, but I've had a couple of things that I needed to have fixed, mm-hmm. like just simple things like my windshield wipers. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point I had like a little bulb that was about to go out yep. in my taillight. So I think that whenever those things occurred, I had you guys just go mm-hmm. ahead and, and fix it right then and there, and I passed. 99% of the time, it's very <laughs> menial things like that. It's a bulb, it's wipers. And I'll be honest... I overlook or don't check my wipers that often until it's raining, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, oh, I got to put wipers on there. And then it doesn't rain for another couple of weeks and I forget about it. Well, that's kind of a good thing. And my my experience is that, hey, every once in a while, a couple of times a year, you really need to put some wipers on on the vehicle. So that is part of something we check. We also check the integrity of the windshield. That's probably one of the biggest things that people get bent out of shape about. We don't install windshields. I don't have any skin in the game of you getting a new windshield. However, my dad, as part of his career after he got out of the the dealership auto body world, did automotive glass repair. And your ability, A, to see is one of the reasons, but the integrity that if you get in an accident, they are counting or they are figuring on you being contained inside the vehicle, God forbid anybody gets in an accident, and you having a good, strong, structurally sound windshield is a big part of that factor. So when we fail somebody for a big rock chip or a crack 
in a you know obstruction a part of that is is for you guys it's not really for me or the state it's that you have a good safe window as well as kind of a tech tip if you will and not a lot of glass guys recommend this but when you get a new windshield you need to put a set of wipers on it at the very same time and a lot of folks don't think about that but the wipers have wear in it from the old windshield and when you put it on a new glass, it will automatically start transferring that wear and it will degrade your ability to have good vision. So it's a pretty cheap kind of insurance thing. In my opinion, most glass installers should stock wipers if I had my say, which I don't. My my say means nothing um, in that. But that is a, a very, very nice thing to be done. What else you got on your list over there, Sarah? Well, <clears throat> We're going to have to take a quick break here okay. soon. Man, we are just all coffee today. I know. Today. It's part of, <laughs> tis the season. I know. Apparently. It must be the uh, the change of the, the weather the happening season, here. Yep. Yes. But fun fact of the day, do you know how many types of inspections there are across the United States? I don't. That is an awesome question. Yes. Well, there's actually four. Uh-huh. So first things first, there is the annual or the biannual inspections. Mm-hmm. There's also safety inspections. Mm-hmm. There's emissions inspections, and there are VIN inspections. Mm. So these are all across the different states. Now, another fun fact of the day. Do you know the state with the strictest vehicle inspection? Oof. Uh, It would probably depend on what inspection they're doing. I want to say it's California. Am I close? Kind of. So whenever I was doing my research, the mm-hmm. one that came up the most whenever I was researching it was New York. Aha. Yes. Yeah, so they created something that is called the Anti-Smog Program. Mm-hmm. This was created in 1982. And so New York does annual emissions tests on all of the vehicles mm-hmm. that are registered in New York. Okay. They also do annual safety inspections as well. I would easily see that due to the rust and corrosion on those vehicles just with the climate that they live in you know my dad worked or we lived up north as a kid not in new york but outside of uh, chicagoland area and the vehicles that he worked on versus the vehicles i work on here significantly difference as far as how they're serviced because of the rust and corrosion so sarah and i are going to step into a break we'll be right back after this your complete car care solution one Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're talking about state inspections, but I have a bright spot in my week I want to talk about real quick. Sure. So, you know, a lot of times I feel like we get on here and it's a little like gloom and doom. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> gas prices, diesel, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe all this stuff. Well, I had like a good Samaritan thing the other oh, day. Oh, well, please share. So I am trying to piece together a little bit better snow pushing equipment. Right. So I wheeled and dealed around on a broken truck that has a snow plow on it. And I think I'll probably pull the plow off and put on another truck and maybe try and sell that truck to somebody for whatever. But, uh, you know, normally I'm the one like flagging people down as kind of a crazy, hey, you got a low tire. Hey, your lights aren't working or blah, blah, blah. And I always think, man, you know, probably people think I'm weird. And most people, they're driving and they don't pay attention at all. And so you can't even get their attention. And so I give up and I'm like, whatever. Sorry about it. I tried. Well, I was uh, towing this old uh, wreck of a truck 
home, and I think it must have been Friday night. I'm headed down Republic Road, had the window down. It was absolutely beautiful outside. And I had a good Samaritan come up on my driver's side, my left side. I was in the slow lane and let me know that my trailer lights weren't working, which I realize sounds like kind of a small item. But just the fact that somebody else was paying enough attention and noticed and took the the courtesy and, and care to, you know, kind of holler as we're doing about 30 down Republic Road. Anybody that's owned a trailer knows that the lighting is a constant, and this is a brand new trailer, constant a problem, whether it's for the truck or the trailer or the hookup or whatever. I just was like, you know what? That gives, I don't want to say hope for humanity, but, <laughs> you know, back in the day, that was a normal thing, you know, that when I was growing up, and I'm not all that old, people, you know, say, hey, you got a low tire. Hey, you got a brake light out. Hey, you got a turn signal, blah, 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 whatever. Kind of let people know. And in today's climate, at least here in the Midwest, now, if we were living up north or living out on one of the coasts, I'd probably be a little uh, less inclined to be happy about this because you got so many, uh, oh, thugs rolling around, for lack of a better way to put it. But it was just cool, and I wanted to kind of give a shout-out to old boy for telling me thanks, and or not tell him thanks, but tell me that, hey, I had some trailer lights out, and he was paying close enough attention to notice. So. Oh, that's well, nice. It was kind of nice. Well, it wasn't I'm, all gloom and doom today. Well, I've got something that's not gloom and doom Oh, either. we like that. The, what do you got? The husband and I celebrated our two-year wedding anniversary. Heck yeah. That has nothing to do with automotive. That's a big deal, but though. That very, is very a, cool. That's a nice thing, Congratulations. too. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, back on to the state inspections. Yes. So I was taking a look at state inspections and I was trying to figure out like the history of mm -hmm. how they all got started because, you know, something has to get started yes. to become something, mm -hmm. right? And trying to find information on it is like incredibly Very difficult. difficult. Yeah. But I did find this, which I, I found this kind of interesting. So there is a list of states that require some type mm -hmm. of inspection. And before I read off this list to you, I want to note that each state is different yes, on their rules. Very much. Uh, you know, sometimes they differ on how many miles before you have to get an inspection. Um, they also, like, differ on what type of inspection. Earlier in the last segment, I mentioned that there are four types of inspections throughout the United States. <clears throat> and then, of course, there's always when they are performed. How many years? Are they mm -hmm. annual? Are they biannual? Et cetera, et cetera. So there is 18 states oh, that have that's more some, than I thought. Yes, it would be. there's um, I believe it's 15 states that do some type of inspection on non-commercial vehicles, mm -hmm. but there's 18 states that do uh, some type of inspection on all vehicles. Mm -hmm. So it is Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts. Good old Missouri, mm -hmm. New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, which has the strictest vehicle mm -hmm. inspection. North Carolina, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> excuse me, Rhode Island, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, and West Virginia. Excellent. Yeah. I know for fact, because so we have obviously stores here in Missouri. So I've been a state inspector for getting close to 20 years now. But we do have some stores down in Northwest Arkansas that we do some consulting work with. And I've shared this before, but I, I find this very valid to make this point today. I have a car towed in with broken suspension parts at any of our stores in Missouri, maybe once a year, twice a year. It's very infrequent. It's an, it's infrequent enough that I take notice that like, oh, you know, they had a ball joint. And if you've ever seen a ball joint or a tie rod fall off, 
or come apart. And essentially it's just like your shoulder, it's a ball and socket. So if it un, un comes disenjoined, it, it's very obvious because the wheel gets into the fender and it's a bad day for whoever was driving. So I very rarely see that here in Missouri. Down in Arkansas, who does not have state inspections, it's probably at least monthly, if not sometimes weekly. And they have some hills down there and some more aggressive terrain, I guess, than I would say here in Missouri. Those vehicles are towed in fairly regularly. And we will also look at vehicles that have some, you know, we'll identify, hey, this has got some significant safety-related items when they're in there for service. And they won't care. They'll fix the AC, the air conditioning, before they'll fix the grindy brakes or the ball joint or the cord showing on tires. It's the craziest thing ever. As well as this is well known, at least in Arkansas, I'm going to make an assumption, and we know what assuming does for everybody, but bear with me here. Kansas and Oklahoma, neither one of those have inspection states either. Those folks that are close to the border of Missouri will intentionally look at Craigslist or Facebook in Missouri and buy used cars here because typically the cars are in better shape because of our, which is a pretty minor or what I would consider even a lax safety inspection state. Those are better taking care of cars than buying a used car in their state so if you're going to spend roughly the same amount of money, because when you look at Kelly Blue Book or however you get your, uh, you know, figure on how much your used car is worth when you're going to list it, they're going to be in the ballpark of each other. However, when you buy a car in a non-safety inspection state that, say, has more than 150,000 miles on it, you will spend usually two to $3,000 more. And this is just my experience over the last 20 years of doing this, that those vehicles in the non-safety inspected state, the brakes are bad. The front end work needs twice the amount of work that has been kept up with here in Missouri with that has a basic safety inspection. It is not extremely intrusive for all of the counties in Missouri. I, I except one or two St. Louis County for sure. And there may be an adjoining County. None of our state or none of our counties in Missouri have an emissions regulation on them. It's just St. Louis County and that area, which is a big county and that's a lot of cars. But the rest of the state is a basic, just what I would consider a very minimal run-of-the-mill inspection. Your brakes need to be inspected and are in decent shape. You cannot have a red warning brake light on the dash. If you have an ABS light or an amber color, that's okay. The red ABS warning light is, is a no-go. Your steering needs to be in decent shape. So if it is power steering equipped, it needs to work. It shouldn't be leaking extremely bad. Um, the mechanical part of the steering, even my hybrid or EV full electric vehicles, you guys still have steering-related, suspension-related issues that must be inspected. The tires need to be in decent shape. The exhaust system needs to be in decent shape. We don't want anybody getting carbon monoxide poisoning. Your emissions related as far as devices need to be there. If it came out with a catalytic converter, I don't care if you've done some crazy engine swap in order to get plates in Missouri, it must have a catalytic converter on it. If it came out pre, I'm going to say 79 and 80, depending on where you are at on that mix, uh, 
any pre-catalytic converter vehicles they are grandfathered in. It must have some kind of muffling device, and the carbon monoxide must exit the passenger compartment. We're going to give a good look at the tires to make sure you don't have any cords hanging out. You'd be very surprised of how many folks, especially in today's day and age of cars, you really can't see, you know, once you get past about a third of the outside of the, the tire, you can't see it. And if you have some front end issues, and a lot of times the sacrificial part or the evidence of the front end issues is the inside part of the tire, I've had hundreds if not thousands of cars come in for a, a basic inspection, and they've got steel or, or uh, you know, bias cords showing on the inside of the tire, and the customer had no idea. So it's a $12 basically kind of CYA thing for you guys to have decent vehicles as you drive down the road. We bring it, we get it up on lift, we do a good visual inspection, we make sure the seat belts are operational, that's a big part of it, as well as I covered all your lights, bells, and whistles. Uh, make sure all that works, horn obviously has to operate, your high beam indicator must work and, and function properly. Uh, wipers, you need to make sure that you have good non-obstructive vision, all the tools to make sure that as I meet you on the road, and that's really where my mindset comes from when I'm doing a safety inspection. I got the kids in the car. I got my lady in the car. Whatever it is, it's a school bus, and we're on a church field trip. You can fill in the blank however you want. But as I meet you on the road, I don't want your bad front end to become a problem for me because it breaks and, and we end up in a collision. So that's kind of my mindset behind it. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back in a minute. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're talking about state inspections and a little safety-related items. It's just a good kind of cheap health checkup, in my opinion, for the old inspections. So, Sarah, i got a question for you. Sure. So, if you're doing, you got you an uh, older car and it fails, I think I covered this earlier, and you want to do your own work, it's perfectly acceptable. What Do you know how that process works? Like if we fail your car, like we bring it in, Sarah gets a fail. Big red stamp. Do you, I was no. going to say, do you have no. a rubber stamp? No, we don't have a rubber <laughs> stamp, but we should. No, that would be bad. Um, what? How's that work? Do you know kind of the ins and outs? You know, it? I actually don't. I have this wrote down. What happens if your vehicle doesn't pass an inspection? I've never failed one before, so I don't know what happens after that. Most folks, it's fairly minor. It's not like crazy stuff. A couple of times a year, I'll get one that like, I write like two pages of things that fails, and I'm not just trying to be a jerk and write up all the things that fails. But when you have to go back to somebody, out of all the things that I've done in my career, this is usually the most contentious item because, and I'm not generalizing, but most people wait till the end of the month or their tires or their tags expired, and so they're stressed out like it's it's not a fun time. So if you fail. You have 20 business days, which is Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sundays, and uh, government holidays don't count. So you got roughly a month. If you want to take it home and do your own repairs, and you're capable of doing that, that's perfectly acceptable. We will hand you a yellow slip. You need to hold on to that. You need to do good quality repairs. When you bring it back, we will inspect those items and those items only. As long as it's within those 20 days, you do not have to pay for another inspection. 
You pay for an inspection at time of inspection. So pass or fail, it's $12 everywhere across the state of Missouri. And then you'll bring that paperwork back. We'll reinspect those failed items and those failed items only. If they're good and fixed to an adequate um, you know, standard, then we'll pass off and we'll let you go. And you can get your pass slip and go get your tags. So I have a funny inspection story for you. Okay. So I shouldn't even put this loophole out there, but I think most folks, especially that listen to KSGF, are not going to use this against me. But I had an old boy really circumvent the system on me one time, and I don't want to make this story time with Dustin today, but I thought this was funny. It wasn't really above board, but he had a bad right front tire, okay? So I wrote it up for failed right front tire. So he goes home, and he comes back, and he had rotated the tires, And I noticed it. I don't think maybe, I don't know, most people might, most people might not. But I noticed the right front tire was now on the right rear and vice versa. And I was like, wait a minute, old boy. He said, nope, you wrote it up for a right front tire. My right front tire is now good. Which he had me there. I mean, he legit had me. And I'm like, man, I'm not really okay with this. And he's like, nope, that's how it reads. So, like, he had me on there. I did everything I was supposed to. I wrote it up for what I was doing. But he circumvented the old uh, the old red tape on me, and, and I thought, you sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. But, you know, that was a pretty good one. I had another one one time, and I actually called the highway patrol, and I wanted to fail this. I had an old Ford pickup come in, and the straps that hold the fuel tank in had rusted off. You'd think that would be failable, right? Right. So what do you think they did to hold the gas tank in there? Probably put a ratchet strap. Exactly. <laughs> two of them. They had two ratchet straps holding the gas tank in this Ford pickup. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. This. So I, I didn't, I'm not trying to be a jerk and fail people just to be, you know, I want to be cool and tell you whether you can or you can't. So I called over to the highway patrol and they said, is it securely mounted? I said, yes, it is very securely mounted. They had two good quality straps on there. He said, nope, it passes. Huh. I was like, wow. Okay. Um, I was talking to a technician this weekend and he had one that was like very borderline like that. And he, so he did the same thing. He called over and that's the other thing. So we have a book, every state inspection station in Missouri has a manual that says, Hey, this is current. This is the standard. This is what you can and cannot inspect. And this is the criteria. There's a rejection criteria. And if it falls in that, then okay, that's a legit but occasionally you run into that gray area there, like the ratchet strap thing. Um, and we have very good inspectors in our area. I'm very happy. I've never run into an inspector where I was like, man, this guy or gal. And, and we have both. We have awesome inspectors. And, and I am essentially held accountable by them. So you would think there'd be, you know, some animosity there, but it's not. I appreciate our inspectors looking out for us. And and likewise, I try and, and, you know, uphold the standard the state of Missouri says. Do you know what it takes to get a state inspection license? Did you do any digging on no, that? No, I didn't. So you have to be in the business for, I think, a couple of years, if I remember right. That may or may not be. That may be ASE. But you have to go down to the Highway Patrol Station, which is Troop D here in Springfield, and you do a in-person Uh, examination. And I want to say it's probably 30 to 50 questions. Once you do that, then the inspector comes out and does a on-site 
basically a test and you go through and do an inspection on a car with him or her watching you to make sure you do a good inspection. So they make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, you want to know something else kind of funny? Sure. Every time you go to do your test, they collect all your driver's license the huh. moment you get there. Yeah. What? Why do you think that they do that? And there's probably other reasons, but they run everybody and see who has warrants. And <laughs> <laughs> I have watched them. They'll call so-and-so, hey, Jim, Bob, Joe, can we see you outside? I think the last, when I was there, uh, which has been probably 17, 18 years ago, I think three people had warrants. Oh, my gosh. And they arrested them wow. while they were at the, the uh, highway patrol, which makes sense to me now. Then I was like, why do you want my driver's license? Thankfully, I didn't have a warrant. Right. I was able to go back to work. <laughs> I can't imagine having to go back or, or send a message to the shop saying, yeah, Dustin won't be in today. He needs bail money. <laughs> so, wow. For any aspiring uh, state inspectors out there. <laughs> Make sure you don't have any warrants before you go in for your your state uh, state inspection exam. You know, I think you might have mentioned this in the first segment, but uh, I might have forgot. Mm, what is good. the most common failed item? Probably lighting. There is amazing amount of times that you do have brake lights or turn signals out that but you, you don't know. No idea. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So we do that as a courtesy on most of the repairs we do, but it is part of the process for the state inspection. I would say a close second would be tires and brakes. Uh, a lot of times folks, like I talked about earlier, don't see that. Uh, third would probably be suspension related, tie rod ends, sway bar end links, uh, control arm bushings, ball joints. That very seldom do we see emissions-related issues anymore where, you know, Joe Bob found somebody to cut his catalytic converter off and straight pipe it. Uh, on some of my diesels, I will see that with no muffler or something like that, which is is, is uh, a failable item. Uh, some of the most uncommon ones, this is not necessarily in the book, I assume. Oh, I had one the other day. This kind of hits home with you guys. Uh, it was not an inspection. It was a brake inspection we were doing, but it was a Toyota product. The frame had holes, and I have a pretty good-sized hand and pretty good-sized fist. You could put your hand and fist through oh the goodness. holes of this Toyota's frame. And I'm not hating on Toyotas. There's mm -hmm. a lot of great Toyotas out there, but there's a certain amount of years that had frame issues. And... So we had to go back up and say, hey, yeah, it's really not worth fixing your brakes because the structural integrity of this vehicle is too bad that, you know, you can't do that. Um, the Probably the fewest things that I have failed vehicles for is it has to have a gas cap. I bet I have failed maybe three cars with no gas cap over the last 20 years. Uh, one of them I can remember had a red shop rag stuffed in there. I was like, that's like adding insult to injury. You know, let's not do that. Um, that and seat belts. We have to inspect the seat belts. Most of the time, seat belts are very robust. I can't think of maybe one or two that I ever failed for a non-operational seat belt. Um, but that's pretty unrare. A lot of windshields, so that unfortunately is a thing, so... We got uh, one more segment. We're going to wrap this up in a nice little bow after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're going to stretch out there just a little bit on the, the 
topic today, but I think it's important. So Sarah's got a cool story, or I guess a headline we'll get to in just a second. But I actually spent this weekend with a few of our other technicians in a eight-hour, all-day, hands-on EV and hybrid class. Now, we know it's coming. A lot of that stuff still at the factory level, so we're not seeing a ton of it. We do have some customers that have hybrid escapes. We've got some customers that have hybrid fusions. We've got some customers that have hybrid uh, Priuses. That's probably the most common one. There were some other makes and models out there, but they really didn't take off mainstream too much. But uh, those are the bulk of it. Not all my technicians are trained on it. I have usually one at each location, or or I will direct you to a certain technician if you so choose to have us take care of your service. I really enjoy them. I think they're cool. It's something a little different. Um, but where this push comes from, and I don't want to get the political side of it, but that's really where it's coming from, is they are pushing to get rid of some of the NOx emissions and the greenhouse gases but they're trying to govern the whole country based off of a few isolated areas that have photo smog. Um, L.A. was probably one of the biggest ones back in the 80s and 90s. Obviously, New York. If you notice a lot of that legislation, Sarah, you made a reference to like 1980-something that New York put their uh, their their emissions program in there. The engines and the vehicles and the technology that's out there now has been driven a lot by this. So there has been some good things. I don't want to just always focus on the red tape and the BS because there is a fair amount of that too. But the vehicles that they are regulating now are significantly different uh, as far as the emissions that are put out than they ever were back in 1980. I mean, we had carburetors. Um, They were never in fuel control. I don't care. I am not a carburetor fan or guy or whatever. I can work on them. I can tune them. But the moment you get a swing in temperature, the carburetor's out of tune again. Uh, even when we were doing some of our racing application stuff early in my career, we would have to rejet the carburetor if the temperature dropped too much to make sure we uh, kept up with the rest of the heat. And that was a big deal. You would notice the guys, or if we made a mistake and we jetted it up or down too far, those cars would be off pace with the rest of the cars. So you know you're out of optimum. Uh, it's actually the, the technical term is called stoichiometric, the 14.7 to 1 fuel mixture, which is essentially the perfect fuel mixture. Now, I know you can get some more horsepower if you'll lean it just a little bit and advance some of the timing on it. But you sacrifice that with increased emissions. So, Sarah, you had a headline over there that kind of kind of struck you a little funny there. What did you have? Yes. Yeah, so this is from Fox Business. West Virginia coal miners help tourists push their dead electric car. You think uh, you think that uh, there's a little irony in that story at all? I think so. It's a pretty short story, so I'll read through it. Awesome. An electrical vehicle broke... Let me try that again. An electric vehicle broke down in West Virginia on Friday, but a group of coal miners were quick to help out. The EV broke down along Corridor H in Tucker County as the driver was headed to Davis for a weekend getaway. Now, photographs shared on Facebook by Tucker County Republican State Senator Randy Smith shows that the car broke down in front of the Matiki Coal Access. I think that's how that's pronounced. But that's on Highway 48 in West Virginia. 
That's awesome. Yes. Since the plastic underside of the vehicle prevented it from being towed, Mm -hmm. the miners decided to push it to the coal mine to charge it up. (laughs) And then there's a bunch of different quotes and things like that. But I just thought it was a little ironic that 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 happened. Well, and so we talk about preparedness a lot. And I don't want to make this about a preparedness show. But part of that is, you know, hey, you know, you got to have a way to not leave yourself stranded. So one, you got to be a little proactive on this. Two, actually probably number one, thanks for the coal miners for being the bigger person and being like, hey, bro, we'll help you out and we'll get your car charged back up and get you back on the road. But it just, some of the legislation and the push for the electric vehicle, they're not basing it off of science. I'm going to make an assumption out here. I'm making a lot of assumptions today, so I may look like a, you know what, to somebody at some point in time. But Politically, there's this huge push for electric and hybrid vehicles, which I'm not against. I think they're cool. In the timeline and the way they're going about it, is it going to work? No. Is it going to be a disaster as such as, hey, we're going to outlaw all electric or gasoline engines by 2035? Hashtag don't charge your electric vehicle because it will take down the power grid in California. California gets most of their power from outside country or outside states. So they are touting that they are lowering their greenhouse gases and their their photo uh, their carbon footprint. There's the word, but they are basically exporting it out to states that are producing power because California doesn't produce enough power, nor is the grid strong enough. So, if we continue to push all electric vehicles to everybody, how is that power coming? Where's that power coming from? You may be down on gasoline or diesel-powered engines because of the carbon footprint, and I I get that. I like clean lakes and trees and all that stuff, too. I don't want it to be like the Simpsons, where we've got three-eyed fish swimming in our lakes around here. I'm not saying that, but you're also not doing this in a manner and paying attention to the consequences of your actions. You're just willy-nilly in this thing out there, probably because of lobbyists, I'm going to assume, and campaign contributions, which is ridiculous, because the people that are making these decisions do not understand the cars, the power grid, and really probably reality, in my opinion. And that may be a stretch, but uh, I don't think it's too much of a stretch at this point in time. When you need and see the emissions coming out of a late model internal combustion engine, it's pretty amazing, really. And if you run out of gas in front of a coal mine, you can probably have somebody bring you five gallons of gas to get you into the gas station. Not to mention the infrastructure for the fuel stations is very robust and pretty doggone good. So I'm not against EV or electric vehicles or hybrid. I'll be honest, I've actually considered maybe buying one just for the experience of it. But I was doing some research on the new F-150 Lightning. Have you heard anything about that one, Sarah? Doesn't it get, like, very low mileage? So I think it's decent if you're not towing. Mm. But we have some folks out there that bought one and tow a 6,000-pound camper. I want to say the last trip that they made, they had to, they went 87 miles before they had to stop and recharge. That's, and that's not very far. No, and that's about a 20-minute recharge, not to mention if you're more than 87 miles from the next charge station, right. what are you going to do? Yeah. And there has been a line, not here in the Midwest, I haven't seen yet, but it's coming 
to where the charge stations, they're backed up. They're not being able to get in and out and get them done and get them taken care of. Not to mention the carbon footprint of where the the power came from. Nobody's putting or looking into any of that stuff. We will get there at some point, but the technology and the infrastructure is not there yet. And they're punishing all of us and making us pay more for cars or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we're just not there yet. They need to get it together and get some people that actually know and weren't essentially just incentivized to push all these electric vehicles. Uh, I think Elon Musk has done some really cool things, to be honest. Um, Ford Motor Company's getting on board with it. Um, we actually worked on in our class, we did a Jeep. Uh, wasn't super impressed with the Jeep, by the way. It was a, a hybrid Jeep. We did a Prius, which is probably the gold standard, in my opinion, as far as dependability and reliability. And then we did, I think it was a Toyota Camry hybrid, which was pretty cool as well. They did a pretty good job there. Honda has got a pretty robust system out there. Um, General Motors has dabbled in it a little bit, but I haven't got into a lot of theirs. They did like a 42-volt system back in the day. Um, They're not quite as heavily invested in it. Some of the stuff I saw on the Chrysler, I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But if I was going to do it, I would probably do a hybrid at this point in time. That way you have the range extender. Um, They talked about a BMW. Do we have a minute or two? Are we getting close? They talked about a BMW that was an economy car over in Europe that is an EV with a range extender motor. And they will only allow you to, to hold one gallon of fuel, one gallon. And it is literally a moped engine that powers a generator to range extend you to the next gas station. I was like, that's what we have to look forward to is a moped engine in the back of your seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollar BMW. No, I think I'll pass and I'll keep what I got because I got work to do. Those vehicles are not work vehicles at this point in time. They may be at some time, but lots of legislation by folks that need to be more educated, in my opinion. You think we made any sense today, Sarah? I think so. And if you are out there yes. in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment, the best way to reach out to us is on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041-KSGF. I Excellent. mean, that's the show. Yeah. Any hybrid <laughs> or uh, you know EV customers or people that own them out there, if you got some stuff to throw in the mix, please send it in. We'll talk about it. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Bye.